This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. The Sixers have consistently been in the playoffs. That's not losing culture. This entire process started by losing. Hey, everyone, stick with us here. We're going to do a ton of losing. What are people talking That's about? That's what I'm saying. So like, I, I, I you're hear winning. people saying, like, you're close and you're trying to get over the hump. Rome wasn't built in one day, so there's a process. Bad decisions got the Sixers to this place. Nothing else. Bad decisions and picking the wrong players to go to war with. Jimmy Butler is a winner. He was on your roster. You were staring him in the face. You chose Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris instead because it is a losing culture. You can't recognize the winners when you see them. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. I'm Michelle Smallman alongside Jeff Turn. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And Jeff, I'm looking up at the clock. We're just under two hours away from that 6 p.m. Eastern deadline in the NBA for players to decide whether they're going to opt in or opt out. We're going to talk about it with our ESPN NBA front office insider Bobby Marks in a matter of minutes. But the most notable name on that list, Jeff, is James Harden. And we need to determine whether or not James Harden is going to stay in Philadelphia. When you look at the options that he has to opt in or opt out, what do you think he's going to do? First of all, I've been looking at the clock as well. We are less than one hour away from Ice Cube joining the show. (laughs) Again, I'm on cloud nine uh, or whatever cloud would be floating around Ice Cube in his heyday. I'm on that cloud uh, getting ready for Ice Cube to join us. I'm excited about that. But I think you know, with regards to James Harden, I feel like he's going to opt out. I feel like the 76ers are going to try to get him on a different deal and have him a part of the mix moving forward. If that's just not feasible, I think that there are multiple teams out there, as that has been reported, I'm, I'm not coming up with this original thought, that that he's going to have interest from at this point in his career. Whether or not Philadelphia needs to or not, I think is something that you know, probably more so than ever, Joel Embiid has to answer. And I don't know that in the past Joel Embiid has been the guy to sort of get that opportunity to answer that question. If there was never a point in Joel Embiid's career where if I was the front office, I'd go ask him about a player, it would be right here with James Harden because mm-hmm. I think it's such an important part of where Joel Embiid is at in his career, coming off the MVP, being so dominant, playing such a great second half of the season, up 3-2 against the Celtics, and an opportunity to go to the, the Eastern Conference Finals. If there was ever a moment where Joel Embiid needs to be in the conversation, it is right now as we sit here two hours away from that deadline. That's so interesting, Jeff, because you would assume that you're going to fold in the MVP into that conversation. Who do you want to play this? How is this vibing? Do you think that this is the right formula needed to win a championship? You always, I think, would want to have that conversation with him out of respect and because he can glean some insight into what's happening behind the scenes and actually on the court that maybe you don't really see. But now more than ever, because think about the pressure that Philly's under. Every place that we're talking about, every media outlet is talking about the process being a failure you have a small window there to get it done to get that elusive championship in philly and i just think they're feeling the pressure more than ever so this is a big decision with james harden and with their future and he gets to opt in or opt out right so there's the decision for him but but my point is with joel Embiid, is you go to him and say listen if he opts in at some point you can trade him later this year if it isn't working out are you sold? Like if he opts in, are we trading Tobias Harris to build around him? Or are we holding out and seeing how it goes? And then come trade deadline, we can maybe move a piece for Harden. Or if he opts out, are we going to go all in to bring him back? I think those are the conversations you're having right now with Embiid. 
So James Harden is expected, we're expecting that he will decline that $35.6 million player option and become a free agent in hopes of landing a new deal. But is it a sure thing? Here's our ESPN NBA insight, senior NBA insider, Adrian Wojnarowski. You know, the scenario with which you would opt into that deal, I think would largely be because you have real concerns about where the Sixers might land on the kind of offer you want to get from them, the kind of years and uh, money. I think the issue for Harden in negotiations, probably similar to Kyrie Irving, it may not be so much getting close to the max number annually. It's how many years are they going to guarantee you? And so uh, that's, I think, part of the thought process with James Harden today. It is not a foregone conclusion that he declines the option and becomes a free agent. So, Jeff, we're talking max numbers. We're talking years. There's a lot of different things at play here. And there's also the talk about suitors. So we know that Philly is in the mix. But I think that the the conversation about Houston being interested in bringing Harden back is interesting as well. Absolutely. It's it's sort of, you know, the the complete opposite of where Philadelphia is right now. You're on the precipice of potentially taking that next step and going to a conference finals and NBA finals. And in Houston, that would not be the case. So that that adds such an interesting wrinkle into it. Again, leverage is a word that's used in the Kyrie Irving situation, in the James Harden situation, and and clearly here, um, you know, that's going to be something that is at least a part of the the puzzle here today. Well, our ESPN NBA front office insider Bobby Marks is joining us here in studio on Canty and Carlin, Michelle Smallman and Jeff Turn on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app and Sirius XM Channel 80. And Bobby, as we fold you into the conversation, we're less than two hours away from the decision for players to opt in or opt out in the NBA. So let's start with James Harden. What do you think his future looks like? Do you think he'll be returning to Philly? Well, I, I always say that. If you're going to decline the option, which is 35.6, you better make sure there's something there for you. Uh, I'm not sure there's something there for him at his asking price in Philadelphia. Uh, I don't think there's four for 213 there for him. Um, Remember, this is a player that gave back $14 million last year. Um, Certainly, the length of the contract, if you're James Harden, you're looking for four years. If you're Philadelphia, you're probably looking for two to three years. So I wouldn't rule out him opting into that contract um, and then basically playing out the year. And that comes with a huge risk. A player that will be a year older, he's not extension eligible here. Um, so for Harden, it's basically taking a, I guess, what he perceives as a discount again, but guaranteeing more money in the long run. You've worked in these front offices, Bobby, so I, I do wonder, I know every situation is different, but you have an MVP a guy that had a 3-2 lead in the in the semifinals and a chance to make it to the conference finals in Joel Embiid. They make the change at coach. Harden's decision, I know, is his to opt in or opt out. But how much of like the coaching decision and the future plans for Philadelphia do you think is molded into the opinions of Joel Embiid at this point? Well, I mean, I think the last thing you can do is afford to have a bridge year or you know, a bridge gap between uh, this year and then regroup in 2000. 24 next off season because if say Harden does leave um, you're basically stuck with the same roster minus Harden and a small exception to go out and replace him. However, the one thing you don't want to be doing is staring at a $60 million contract four years from now. So there is a balancing act here that both sides need to kind of figure out here. And um, I, if you asked me a week ago, I would have said he would be declining this option. I'm not so sure right now. 
He's our ESPN NBA front office insider, Bobby Marks. Follow him on social media at Bobby Marks 42. I'm Michelle Smallman alongside Jeff Turn. It's Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio. And Bobby, another person whose future we're monitoring is Kyrie Irving. We heard sound from Ramona Shelburne earlier in the show saying that he's going to be taking meetings. And while the Mavericks are still considered the favorites to re-sign Kyrie, is there another suitor out there that you think could lure him in? I mean, really, the only team would be Houston, and that means if they strike out on um, Fred Van Vliet, uh, who I think you know there could be a chance with him going there. Um, we'll see what happened with Harden. I, I don't buy into him taking meetings with Phoenix. I just think that's a ploy. It's a leverage game here. Phoenix has got the veteran. Listen, Kyrie Irving's his own person. If he wants to go take a $40 million pay cut and go sign there for the veteran minimum exception, God, God bless him. <laughs> if he wants to do that, he can do that. And he can do that with the Lakers and the Clippers or any of the other teams here because he's trying to create leverage, which he doesn't have right now with Dallas. Dallas is not offering probably five for 276 here. It's the same thing as James Harden. They're trying to, you know, there's nothing wrong with negotiating and finding a compromise here instead of just writing a blank check here. Um, but Houston would probably be the one team just if they miss out on some of their key free agents here, if they would go, you know, take a chance on Kyrie Irving. You know, you bring up Houston, and I know that there were the rumors last year about maybe a reunion between James Harden and them, Kyrie and Houston, Fred Van Vliet and Houston. You know, what's the mentality, do you think, most times, more so than not, of players in free agency when the money is so astronomical, but the ceiling is so much different? in a place like Houston versus even that of a Dallas for, for a person like Kyrie Irving, uh, has the money changed the mentality of players in free agency over the last decade? Well, I think for Fred Van Vliet, it probably has just because he's, he's, you know, he declined that option and it's, you know, has made a nice payday in, in, in Toronto and is looking for one more really good payday with, um, with, with Houston here. Um, it's, it's just, the mentality is that, you know, this new CBA forces you to spend 90% of the salary cap. So Houston's got to spend. They got to spend $52, 53000000 million here. And, um, you know, the idea was it was one of these two players, but I think for them, it's splitting it up and, and going after three players, to, you know, instead of just one here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's funny. We're talking about free agency, but if you're, if you're talking about roster building, free agency ranks on the bottom of how to build a roster. It's the draft, it's trades, it's free agency. Because after you get through, and I know this doesn't sound great, you know, we're trying to promote free agency here. After you get through some of the names, this is not a good free agent class. Right. This is not a good class at all. After you get through the Middletons and the Brooke Lopez's, and there's the same teams every year that have cap space. Houston, Indiana, Orlando, San Antonio, Detroit. None of those teams are going after these, you know, outside of maybe Houston, these main guys. Oklahoma City rented their cap space for Davis Bertans. Uh, Indiana might rent their cap space for Max Struess. You're not going after these marquee players here. So it, the challenge is, you know, building it. And when you have all this money, not going out and spending it all at once. He's our ESPN NBA front office insider, Bobby Marks. Follow him on social media at Bobby Marks 42. Michelle Smallman, Jeff Turn, Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. And Bobby, you mentioned taking a chance on Kyrie. And, and you are an expert. You're our ESPN NBA front office insider. And I would just love to get your take on the value of a Kyrie Irving and if you think the risk is worth the reward. Because when you look at Kyrie, he's an exceptional basketball player. But we also know that a lot more comes with Kyrie the person. And it has 
hasn't worked out in a lot of places. It's not necessarily a fit all of the time. So if you're weighing that in, a, in an NBA front office, how much more important is the basketball as opposed to some of the other stuff you'd have to deal with when it comes to Kyrie? He's a max player. He, he's a $47 million player on a one-year contract. I, I couldn't do any more than a year. But we don't live in a world where we're given one-year max contracts. I mean, that's the reality of it. And that's, that's what Dallas has to real, or deal with right now. If Kyrie Irving comes in at $35 million for three or four years, what personality are you getting when you get to training camp? Are you getting a disgruntled player who doesn't want to be there anymore? Felt like he was you know, looked down on because he, they didn't pay him what he perceived as his full value here. And I think for Dallas's perspective, the one thing you don't want to do is commit four years for Kyrie Irving, and then two years from now, Luka Doncic ask out, and you're still right. left with Kyrie Irving. Got to be careful with that. How much is it a tipping point, too, for Dallas, Bobby? Because we've seen them go after big-name free agents and swing and miss. They got this superstar in Luka Doncic. You mentioned two years from now, he goes, I, I want to get out of here because you guys keep swinging and missing. How big of a moment is this year, next offseason, for that organization as a whole? Oh, it's huge. I mean, you look at last offseason losing Jalen Brunson, and that's the other thing. Like, can you afford to lose Jalen Brunson and Kyrie back-to-back? That's, that will set the, you know, the wheels in motion for some speculation here when we get going into the regular season. Um, so uh, Kyrie is a priority, as I said, but it's just a matter of kind of finding the right compromise. Bobby Marks, our ESPN NBA front office insider, joining us on Canty and Carlin. And Bobby, I wanted to ask you about the Lakers. Rob Palinka came out and said that they want to keep the core together. They want to try to run it back. If he is successful in doing that, do you think that's enough for the Lakers to win an NBA championship? Probably not, just because of how good Denver is. I, I think Denver is really, I mean, they could potentially lose Bruce Brown in free agency, but I think they'll still the pick. Um, do they rank up there with Phoenix? We'll see what else Phoenix puts out, you know, how they build out that roster. Um, I would pr- probably put them as the third best team. I think running it back is, is probably the right way to do it with Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura. We'll see what happens with D'Angelo Russell, um, Lonnie Walker, um, you know, players, Dennis Schroeder, players like that. What do they go out and use some of their money on? Um, because you get rid of some of these players and then it's basically where they were two years ago where you have a top-heavy roster and then you're spinning through some of these veteran minimum players. Um, but I, I, I agree with Rob as far as bringing this group back. Um, it just gives you kind of some more flexibility as far as if you need to move something down the road. I want to ask you about the Knicks next uh, as we go from one large market to another. What's the philosophy of New York this offseason? And is there any conversation, do you think, inside those walls about moving on from someone like Julius Randle. Yeah, the, the philosophy is probably something that doesn't align with New York patience, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think for New York, they're looking at, I think we're going to find out soon about um, um, Josh Hart. He's got a $12.9 million option. I think Josh Hart opts in. That gives him the, the, the tax, a non-taxman level to go out and get a guy like Dante DiVincenzo. I just think they're waiting for the right guy to become available. The next player to become available and they're hesitant to spend it all as far as their draft assets there. And they're a, they're a nice team. You know, they're a 47, 48, four seed here. And there's nothing wrong with just kind of being in that, in that holding pattern right now. 
The deadline is at 5 p.m. Eastern today for players to opt in or opt out in the NBA. We're getting close to that deadline, talking NBA with our ESPN NBA front office insider, Bobby Marks. Bobby, the Miami Heat are so interesting to me. They they obviously got close, but no cigar in the NBA Finals. There was talk about Damian Lillard joining the team. That seemingly is not working out. If you're Miami, what's the move that you make? Yeah, I think Gabe Vincent, if you're, you know, the conservative, I mean, it's going to cost them just because they wear financial. I think Gabe Vincent's a priority. I don't think Max Struess is as much of a priority because you're going to get Tyler Hero back. At the end of the day, we know what Miami can offer in a deal. <laughs> I mean, I think we all do. It's Tyler Hero, salary cap filler, and two first round picks in the future in 28 and 30 here. And if Damian Lillard ever became available and, and asked to be at trade, They'll be they their package is there for them. I don't know if that's good enough to get Damian Lillard out of Miami here, but they're an interesting team just because as you've watched them during the regular season and then you watch them in the playoffs, totally two different teams here. And I just have a feeling you're going to see more of that regular season team next year, and then them being a sixth seed or a fifth seed and get into the playoffs here. But you know the Kyle Lowry contract still on the books at twenty nine million dollars. Um, Duncan Robinson is still on the books there, so the cost is getting high. Uh, but I do think Gabe Vincent is a priority, and then we see if, if Lillard eventually becomes available. Bobby, I want to ask you about the Milwaukee Bucks, too, because this season they were the best team in the East. They were the number one seed, but they're bounced in the first round by Miami. The injury to Giannis, you know, it dinged up Chris Middleton over the last couple of years. He opts out of his deal. Brooke Lopez is a free agent. They have a new head coach. We, we asked you about Dallas and sort of how big of a tipping point is it this offseason and next season for them. How big of a moment is it in Milwaukee, all things considered, to try to keep Giannis a buck for as long as humanly possible? It's huge. I mean, he's extension eligible come September. Um, it's in the same situation as some of these other teams where you let Chris Middleton or Brooke Lopez go. Who are you replacing with because your salaries are so high? Uh, it's not all of a sudden you get a $30 million slot to go out there. And I think I think for Chris Middleton, you decline that $40 million option. Um, I've learned that when you decline it, there's got to be something there waiting for you, right? You, there's got to be something as far as maybe it's lower but more length here. I think Brooke is interesting because Brooke's value has skyrocketed with Nas Reed coming off the board, uh, Nikola Vucevic coming off the board here. Now he's the top center out there, and he's going to command a $20 million per, uh, per year payday. And they've got to retain him here because basically you're looking at Bobby Portis as your starting center. You lose a, a you know a tremendous asset. So that's that is a priority as far as bringing both guys back in Milwaukee. Bobby, as we creep closer to free agency, we've talked about a lot of the big names and connected with rumors out there. But is there a team that you think that might surprise that might go out there and make a big splash? Yeah, I mean, I've always I've been, been interested with Sacramento just because they've moved some money off uh, the night of the draft, including uh, moving their pick. Um, you know, to create the money, they've got to renounce Harrison Barnes. Um, I think you can renegotiate Demonis Sabonis's contract. I think you can bring back Harrison Barnes. You can go, you know, free agent shopping to see if maybe there's a player out there. They have a, they have a window there to you know create some. I think thirty three, thirty four million dollars. So they're they're intriguing to me. I just think all eyes is going to be on Portland. I mean, we like basically. I think the next week here is going to say a lot as far as where this organization goes, whether it be Jeremy Grant or Matisse Dybul, and is that good enough for Damian Lillard? And if it's not, who is it going to be? Because free agency might be over by Saturday or Sunday. Bobby, real quick, I want to sneak in one more. And you you look at, you, you mentioned Nas Reed getting that deal from the Timberwolves. They now have Nas Reed, 
Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, and they're paying centers more than any team in the entire NBA right now for their bigs, an absolute astronomical amount of funds. You can't trade Rudy Gobert because of the value in what you gave up. You're not getting rid of Nas Reed. Is there any chance that Carl Anthony Towns isn't a Timberwolf uh, at, at the season's beginning? Well, here's the other thing, too, is that Anthony Edwards is rookie extension eligible, and if he signs a max, Minnesota, Denver, and Phoenix are the only three teams with three or more max, and there's a little bit of a difference in talent level from <laughs> the, the two other teams that I mentioned here, and you're going to have to get your finances in order here as far as what to do. I think you have a little bit of a window right now up until the trade deadline, and then you're going to have to make a decision as far as I, I don't see them keeping all three of those players. Great information, as always, from our ESPN NBA front office insider, Bobby Marks. Bobby, thank you so much for the time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Be sure to follow him on social media at BobbyMarks42. Alongside Jeff Turn, I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next on Canteen Carlin, Domingo Herman of the Yankees tosses the first perfect game in Major League Baseball last night since 2012. We're going to dive into it next. Keep it here on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors... You're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. and Carlin, the podcast. Swing and a miss. 20 up and 20 down for Domingo Herman. But I, I didn't really start feeling really nervous till the ninth. And Herman, the righty, deals to the plate. Grounded to third. It was just so fun to watch him do that and go to work. Just being here, being able to witness this night tonight, it's always cool to witness sports. Jeff, this is one of the things that we love about sports, is that on any given night, history can happen. And it can happen 
to the least likely of people. Domingo Herman allowed 15 earned runs on 15 hits in five and a third innings over his previous two starts. And what does he do last night against the Oakland Oakland A's? He goes out and tosses Major League Baseball's first perfect game since 2012. It was an unbelievable night for Herman and the Yankees. It was remarkable that you you saw someone who had struggled so much and he did it in 99 pitches I believe it was last night for the for the perfect game. I mean, if you go back and look at a lot of the perfect games over over history, uh, there's a couple like David Cohn had one under 90, but, but a lot of them are 113, 125, 115. Those are like the three previous ones before him. 109 for Dallas Braden back in 2010. Uh, Mark Burley tossed 116 pitches, 99 pitches efficient, 11-0 win for the Yankees. And like the elephant in the room for a lot of people is this guy – has gone through some controversy off the field involving Mm -hmm. domestic violence. Neither Michelle nor myself are naive to that. But we were talking about this in the break, too. We also love really cool historic moments in sports, and that's what what this was. 24 perfect games, I believe it is, in in history of Major League Baseball. And so it doesn't happen, obviously, as often as the the no-hitter. And it's on a historic franchise like the Yankees, where we've seen Yankee pitchers do it in the past, uh, including... Uh, David Cohn and David Wells, and so I think you can you can I think look at something and say historically it is remarkable, while also understanding like on any other day I'm not really going to go out and say I can't wait to watch Herman pitch because I'm not a big fan of who he is as a person. It's just within the historical context of it. What happened last night in baseball history is pretty damn important. Absolutely. And it is important to acknowledge his history and uh, what he's dealt with off the field. But we work in sports and this is the 24th time that this has ever happened in Major League Baseball history. Uh, As I mentioned, the first perfect game since 2012. And Jeff, I know how difficult it is to execute a perfect game. Everything has to be working correctly. So many things have to fall in place. You have to have a lot of luck as well as a lot of skill. But it's just such a small number to think that only 24 times in the history of this sport that this has happened. And if you think about the great pitchers, I'm, I'm 37 years old. I always say nothing happened really in sports until 1985 or beyond. And so I always use that as sort of the barometer. And I know people give me a hard time about it. But here's the names that have thrown perfect games since 1985. Tom Browning, Dennis Martinez, Kenny Rogers, the gambler, David Wells, David Cohn, Randy Johnson, Mark Burley, Dallas Braden, Roy Halladay, Philip Humbert. Can't say I know him, probably should, with the White Sox, Matt Cain, Felix Hernandez, Domingo Herman. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, man. Like that is it's it's crazy that that's the small amount of people. Think of all the great pitchers just since '85 that have put on a Major League Baseball uniform. Like none of those great Braves pitchers, Tom Glavin, Smoltz, Maddox, none of them did it. You don't see Nolan Ryan on this. Like you don't see the 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 Max Scherzer's, the the Verlanders. Like they aren't on this list, and that's just how. Remarkable, everything has to bounce your way. And we were talking about this also before the show, that in a day and age where everybody's swinging for a home run, in, in a blowout game like that, that at one point you just can't put you know barrel on ball and rip one into the corner or a jack one over the fence um, is pretty crazy to think about in today's game. What a random collection of pitchers that you just listed <laughs> that since 1985 have executed Who's your favorite on that game? list? If you had to pick one that you wanted to watch for one oh. game of those, to me it's Randy Easy. Johnson. 
Oh, not me. I love Randy Johnson, but give me Roy Holiday all okay. day. All right. Which, Big which, Roy Holiday like, fan. Who would be your second pick on the, David David Wells is my second pick, by the way, on that list. You of wanna, all those David Wells. Like gosh. that dude looks like you you would sit you would you would pull up next to him at, at the bar and say, Is is this seat open? Uh, can I sit here next to you <laughs> as you're eating your nachos and right. drinking one of those large tap beers? And instead, he tossed a perfect game at the age of 34 uh, in 1998. Uh, yeah, that's who I would pick at number two. And Jeff, another interesting component of this. So it's the first perfect game since 2012, since Felix Hernandez. Felix Hernandez, excuse me, did it on August 15th. This is the first perfect game in the pitch clock era. So I, I wonder if that makes it harder or if it actually helped Domingo Herman. that, first of all, you're thinking quicker, you have less time to execute, you just have to kind of lean into the flow of the game, which I think makes it harder, but maybe it actually aids in that because you don't have a lot of time to really let the pressure absorb into your brain. You just right, have think- to kind of let let the process happen and trust your catcher and execute. I always thought that it was really weird that you don't go talk to the pitcher while they have perfect games. And I, th- I thought that would always, if I was ever good enough to do anything like that, I'd want everything to be normal. I'd want everybody to be joking with me. I want to be, you know, kind of in the flow of a normal game because otherwise, I think your mind just starts to take over too much, and and you're thinking about it too much. And and so many times, like in the eighth, ninth inning, you've gone seven, eight, nine innings of no humans talking to you, and then you <laughs> blow it in the eighth or the ninth inning. And I'm like, I was like, that's because nobody was talking to that person. His mind took over, and he was just out there, you know, having psychological problems, and he couldn't figure out how to do what he had done for the first seven or eight innings. Now, I want it to be normal. In fact, I want people to be messing with me more to keep my mind off of it obviously I'm in the zone when I step out there between the lines but yeah no I think the pitch clock does keep it moving a little bit out of that we're gonna see more remember a few years ago where there was like that stretch where we had like three no hitters in a matter of a week or something and it's like oh my god we're gonna see all these no hitters and then we didn't um, I don't know that this means we're gonna see more perfect games since we haven't seen one since 2012 but what a special night it was for Domingo Hormon last night for the Yankees He's Jeff Turn. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. And coming up next, I had an issue arise in a workout class today. And we need, and Jeff did not. And we're going (laughs) to dissect all of that next. Keep it here on ESPN Radio. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Alongside Jeff Turn, I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, and you can always get in touch with us on social media. He's at JTESPN. I'm at M. Smallman. And Jeff, question for you, my friend. Have you ever done Pilates? Uh, no. <laughs> You're not a Pilates guy, huh? I'm not a workout guy, okay? Like, I no. lifted weights one time in the last probably 20 years, and it was to do a bench-pressing exercise against a football player at South Dakota State. Needless to say, when I when I pumped up 125 on the bench press, I celebrated like I was Rocky. Um, so, no, there's not a lot of weightlifting or workouts. I consider chasing my three boys under eight around the house to be as big of a workout as you're going to find me doing. Okay, so we are completely opposite when it comes to that because I try to work out every day. I try to eat healthy, make sure I'm getting the proper amount of sleep, good hydration. You know, I'm I'm constantly those things. I don't do any of those things. I don't know how, Jeff, because it's imperative to my mental health that I get a workout in. So last night I worked until about one in the morning, and I got up this morning and went to Pilates, and I was tired, but I found. 
that I kept yawning throughout the class. And it wasn't because I was tired. It's something I've been experiencing a lot lately, that when I work out, I'm yawning a lot, whether I go on a run or whether it's Pilates. It's just been plaguing me. It's so weird. So I'm yawning on the megaformer and Pilates today. And the instructor comes by and kind of makes an example of me. The instructor's like, oh, someone's tired. Are we boring you in class? Meanwhile, my body is shaking. I'm, I'm feeling the shakes from the class. I'm, swe- I'm dripping sweat. It had nothing to do with the intensity of the class. It's just something that my body's doing. So afterwards, Jeff, I left and I, I was infuriated. I was like, do not make an example of me in class. I showed up. <laughs> I am tired. I'm giving it my all. So I Googled it. I Googled why do people yawn during workouts? And there's actually a scientific reason behind it. Really? Yes. So when you work out, there's a spike in the core temperature of your body and that causes you to yawn a lot. It, wow. it actually forces you to yawn because of the increased serotonin levels in your body. So who there's knew? a lot of times there's a lot of times when I'm driving through the drive through and the line's really long. Oh, no. uh, I might be yawning as well. By the way, is Pilates more like yoga? Or are you on a bike or what are you doing in Pilates? <laughs> no, you're not on a bike. OK. All right. Um, all right. What, CrossFit. What, I, what is I just know these words. I don't know what they mean. No, I did CrossFit once and one time only. I did the Murph workout. And afterwards, Jeff, I laid on the ground and I wept. I had to have someone help me to my car. <laughs> It was the most, I've never had a child. I imagine only childbirth being worse than the experience that I had at at CrossFit. Never again for me. Uh, Pilates is tough, but it's much easier than CrossFit in my opinion. But you, it's a, it's a megaformer is what the machine is called. And you have two stable sides of this apparatus and the middle part of it moves back and forth. Sounds so you're doing miserable. these small micro movements to Horrible. burn out your muscle groups. It's very that tough. That sounds terrible. You know, if you lift enough tacos from Taco Bell, you can do the same thing. So, confession time. I hope we're in the trust tree here. But I, um, you know, I went to college. I was a little bit of a party girl back in the day. Enjoyed Taco Bell many a time, but only yeah. as, a, as a fourth meal. I've never had Taco Bell during the daytime. I've never had I've Taco Bell I've had it Bell as the sober. first meal, second meal, third meal, and fourth meal all in oh, one day. Right? Like You just the signed me up to meal. fast food. Listen, we, before we went on the show, I told you guys, I ran upstairs, throw some groceries in the fridge, and I, I had a, a, you know, a microwave McDonald's cheeseburger from the night before. Oh. Uh, it was delicious, by the way, for all those wondering. It's like the best snack. Food like you get the you get the fast food restaurant to come to your house at eleven o'clock at night without having to pay the Uber Eats fee. It's an absolute steal of a deal. Uh, so you should try that. You, you said you haven't had fast food in like ten years. Yeah, so I don't count. Why live? Why even live <laughs> on this earth if you can't go through and grab a filet fish and a Big Mac and some barbecue sauce and drink an oversized Coke? Like the worst thing McDonald's did was getting rid of the supersized menu, right? Like that was I was I was joyous that day when that first came, and I wept like you wept after CrossFit when they got rid of this that stupid movie about supersize me screwed it up for me. Okay, so I got to order that and an extra fry. It's a damn shame. Now listen, I go to I go to fast food restaurants probably once a day um once and i got day. kids i got kids oh uh, yeah i mean where else am i gonna eat all right like i, just, At your house. I don't know <laughs> that's just like the snack part of my life uh so yeah i mean you know i i have no problem uh telling everyone that there are many joys in my life but fast food is on that mount rushmore list well jeff we're gonna have to table this i i really want to get into you eating um this next story is not McDonald's as important burger. as going to the Taco Bell. We've got some breaking news here that we got to get to, okay? According <laughs> to Adrian Wojnarowski, our ESPN NBA insider. Oh, hear that. So official. 
But this is some big breaking news. We've been monitoring it all day. We knew that 5 p.m. Eastern was the deadline for players to opt in or opt out in the NBA. And just a hair above 5 p.m. Eastern time, we have some some news from Woj. Breaking news. 76ers guard James Harden is picking up his $53.6 million option. And sides are beginning to work together and exploring trade scenarios, sources tell ESPN. It's expected that Harden has played his last game for Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Jeff, your immediate reaction. Uh, yes, uh, you 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 Ron Burgundy that, but the wrong way. Thirty five point yes. six. Thirty five point six. Fifty three point six is way too much money for him, and yes. probably thirty five is as well. <laughs> so thirty five point six million. I am okay, a Ron so Burgundy. My reaction here. <laughs> is this: Joel Embiid doesn't want James Harden on his team. That's what I. That's what I took away from this. So you think he he said to the brass, "Listen, this is not the the correct core that's needed to get this done. Nope. We're not going to get a championship with this guy." Yep, keep Tobias Harris and go trade James Harden. Now, maybe Joel Embiid said get rid of both of them, and we can completely train, uh, change and, and transform our roster into something totally different around me. It's me and Tyrese Maxey moving forward. I don't want Tobias. I don't want James Harden. But I just think that there's no way there isn't a heavy influence here from the league MVP with a new head coach. I think Nick Nurse probably had something to do with this as well. Daryl Morey had to break up with his longtime girlfriend, and it's got to be rough for him today, but everybody else there is probably celebrating. Again, James Harden picking up that $35.6 million option, according to Woj. Sides are beginning to work together and exploring trade scenarios, and it's expected that James Harden has played his last game for Philadelphia. We're going to talk about this for the remainder of the show. We're going to guess where James Harden will play next season. But coming up next with Jeff Turn and Michelle Smallman here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Jeff and I are really excited about this one. We have a big guest coming up. It's Ice Cube. You don't want to miss it. Keep it here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.